but you can also be devoted to yourself. And this is discipline. If you are setting aside time to move your body, to eat nourishing, amazing foods, to cook amazing foods with your loved ones, to go out and have that coffee with your friends where you get to have that really uh, connected catch up. This is discipline to your own health, your own mental health and your own cup. You're filling your cup up. Uh, And I think just adding on that little bit of devotion, discipline, devotion makes you want to do it even more. It makes the practice come easier. Well, I think discipline can have that connotation to being in trouble, Mm. perhaps for some people, like, you know, when you're a kid, you've got disciplined. Yeah, it's really rigid, no flexibility, but devotion feels loving and flexible. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week I have two beautiful young women on the show. Many of you will know who they are, the gorgeous Emma and Carla Pappas from the Merrymakers Sisters. These two beautiful souls are in their early 30s, and I just thought it would be a breath of fresh air to share their insights, their wisdom, their learnings, and their teachings. And I just want to read something that's off their website, just so that you, if you haven't heard of them, you'll get to understand or who they are. So yes, we are real life sisters. And no, our last name isn't Merrymaker. It's actually Pappas. No, we're not twins. Emma is two and a half years older than Carla. Yes, they fight occasionally. And yes, they're actually best friends and they do work really well together. They started the Merrymakers Sisters as a hobby in 2013. It began as a blog to share their favorite healthy recipes. And if you go to their website, you're going to see heaps of deliciousness on there. And what I love about it is it's a journey through their learnings from, you know, paleo right through now to gorgeous Italian recipes being shared. But if you want to know why they called it the Merrymakers Sisters, it's because it means to bring joy. And that is always their mission for themselves and for their follower. One day, Carla was sick in bed getting over a botched up nose job, which we do talk about in today's show. And they came across the great philosopher, Joseph Campbell. Many of you will know him as one of the conversations and topics he talks about is the hero's journey. But for them, the term follow your bliss stood out. They realized that the Merrymakers sisters was their bliss. They also understand that if they gave it more energy and attention, it would only grow. And I have to say to you, as you follow them on their website and you notice their journey, which really started out as not feeling like they were good enough really around their body, their self-image, dieting, different exercise strategies, all the different things that probably many of us have done in our youth to try and find the right thing that works for us. But I do believe that from going to from selling cakes and then creating recipe books, they also have a beautiful app, Get Merry. They realized that what it was really for them, that having done all the work, been through all these growths and changes and relationships and highs and lows, it's what led them to create Merry Body, an online yoga, Pilates, and meditation studio. 
And we're going to hear from them today around that journey of what took them through, what lessons did they learn, how did they come to being who they are today, living a life of true joy and following their bliss. I feel like a bit of a mama bear to these two. I've watched them for many years And it feels such a privilege to share them with you today. And I hope you get to learn from them that no matter what age, no matter what phase or stage we're at in our lives, there is always an opportunity to learn, improve and become better versions of ourselves. So strap yourselves in, you're in for a great ride, a few really good laughs and certainly some wonderful wisdom from these two young special souls. I look forward to hearing your comments and feedback. They've got some free gifts for you. So make sure you go to the show notes or go to their website, themerrymakersisters.com. I cannot recommend it enough. And if you'd like to comment or give me any feedback on this beautiful podcast, then of course, you can go to my Instagram page, Kim Morrison 28 you can go to my Facebook page, Kim Morrison Training, or you can go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast. I am absolutely appreciative of your five-star rating and for sharing these different conversations so that we can help future generations from this moment forward to truly know what it means to love oneself. Take care, be kind, and I look forward to sharing another beautiful guest with you next week right here on the Self Love Podcast. What an absolute delight this week to bring to you two incredible souls, the beautiful Merrymaker Sisters, Emma and Carla. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, you darlings. Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited to be here. We were just talking off air that the last time we caught up was at the Wellness Summit where we Mm. got to meet each other about six years ago. And I have to say, as a woman that could possibly and feasibly be your your mum, I just want you to know how inspirational and beautiful and how incredibly educational and I guess, you know, you really had this ability to make us all feel like we belong and we all have hope and we all have the ability to do and be and have more. Hmm. And so I just want to acknowledge you girls for the work that you do. But before we get into everything that you offer, perhaps you could just give the listener a beautiful background as to your story and how the Merrymaker Sisters came about. Mm. Oh, well, thank you so much for your kind words, Kim. I mean, how did six years pass so fast? No idea. Crazy, crazy. Uh, But I mean, are we going to rewind way back? Yeah, we'll do like a condensed version. Yes. That'd be perfect. Perfect. Great. Okay. So let's flash back to 2012. So we were, how old were we? Gosh, I was 21. You were 23, 24, 23, 24. 24. We always get the age modeled up. I'm the worst for it. I'm like, I was 23. No, Emma was 23. I was 21. Uh, And we went on this 12 week body shred diet. It was a goal because I was being a bridesmaid for my best friend and I wanted to lose weight to fit into a dress that was a size smaller than the size it actually was. Fast forward 12 weeks, I lost all of the weight uh, and Emma came along with me on the journey, as you do sometimes when you have a best friend or a sister and you start a diet and then they want to jump onto the bandwagon as well. We also became very tired, lethargic. We both lost our periods for over a year after that happened. And, you know, we got to this goal weight. We were skinny. We were thin. We were thinnest we ever we had ever been 
and we looked at each other and we thought to ourselves, we need to lose more weight. And that was kind of the cycle. We would lose weight and then we think we need to lose more weight and then we put on weight and then we need to lose more weight and then we'd find the next diet and then the next diet and the next diet. And I, I mentioned this was at age 21, but I actually went on my first diet at age 11. Uh, and Emma also had bulimia from the age around 17 to 22, in fact. And, you know, it was all this kind of divine timing where we went on this crazy 12-week diet. We realized, wow, our health is getting impacted and we needed to make a change. And this was, in fact, when we discovered the paleo diet enter the wellness couch and you know all that crew and we were just kind of aha like there were aha moments all left right and center so the paleo diet really did play an important role in our lives of I guess recovering from our obsession with dieting because we didn't really think it was a diet even though upon reflection now obviously it was still a diet Mm -hmm. uh so we went down this paleo uh instagramming website, blogging. We were totally obsessed. We realized this is what we want to do with our lives. We want to talk about this more. We want to connect with others. And this we found was our bliss. It was also at this time where we discovered Joseph Campbell, an amazing philosopher. We just read and watched, you know, documentaries about him. And we realized this is our shot at, you know, doing something amazing with our lives. So we just followed it. It's like, we just followed this, uh, the stuff that light lit lo, lighted lighted us up. Is that the right <laughs> word? Lighted us up. Lit us up. Lit us up. There we go. Lit us up. And you know, this took us down this path of creating online programs, connecting with people, going to events. Uh, and then we realized, hey, we don't want to talk about diets anymore. Actually, we hate dieting. We need to let go of this for our own mental health. And also we don't want to be part of this industry anymore. Mm. Uh, and we realized that what we had been doing, although we thought was something that was practicing self-love and also self-kindness, was actually still not practicing that. Uh, And when we found yoga and Pilates was really this turning point in our lives and our business and what we do. So this was in 2017. We re-found yoga and Pilates. We dived deep into our teacher training. Emma did Pilates, I did yoga. And we realized we couldn't stop talking about these new practices. And we absolutely loved them. It was an amazing way to exercise. We we would go to the studio without that feeling of dread, without that feeling of this being a chore. And that was really something different for us because, you know, rewind all those years back, exercise for us was always something we had to do. It was always something on our to-do list to tick off. It was a chore. It was a form of punishment. We were always counting down the minutes of the treadmill. When is this going to end? So finding yoga and Pilates was really a whole kind of turning point in the way that we exercised, in the way that we moved our bodies. It was at this same time that we discovered this phrase of self-acceptance. Now, I can't remember where we first heard it, but it really rang true with us because it was really something that we could uh, feel was actionable. Like self-love, I lo- like we love this word. But then when we heard self-acceptance, it was like, oh, wow, I understand how to do this. Like I accept myself right here, right now. And so we paired our yoga and Pilates practices with this action, with this uh, mindset change of self-acceptance. And that was just a personal practice that we decided to do. And again, we couldn't stop talking about it. We felt like drastic transformation. 
reaction within our minds and within how we felt about ourselves, how we felt about our bodies. And that was really, I guess, the beginning of Mary Bonnie and a whole other journey, which I'm sure we'll talk about more. But fast forward uh, to now 2022, where we do Mary Bonnie. It's our online membership and it is movement. Uh, However, it is movement paired with the mindset of self-acceptance, self-belief, and of course, above all, joy, because merrymaker means to bring joy to. It's quite a powerful. Full stop. (laughs) Yeah, it's really powerful because ultimately at the end of the day, a form of self-love is self-acceptance. And to accept oneself is to love oneself, warts and all. And so part of when I wrote the book, The Art of Self-Love, to me, self-acceptance is the final step in Mm. the process in order to love oneself. So I find it interesting that you say that. And I believe the first step is self-awareness, awareness Mm -hmm. of whether we're in or out of love with ourselves, awareness with what our body's doing, what our mind's saying, the self-sabotaging behaviors and beliefs. Mm -hmm. How would you say you girls have made the distinction then between a limiting belief and a limiting emotion compared to this constant self-sabotaging behaviors that we do? Is there a link between the behavior and the thought in your opinion? Oh, oh yeah. Yes. I mean, the, the, the thoughts create the feelings, the thoughts and the feelings create the actions. It's all interconnected. And so that's why this, this shift in your thinking literally changes your whole life. And it can be just like one little drop of water in this ocean, but the ripple effects will be felt. It might not be drastic straight away, but, you know, the more you continue to change your mindset and the way you're thinking, obviously huge, amazing changes happen. Mm. Uh, We can't know for sure where the change will take us, but we know there will be a change. Uh, Yeah, and I always use the example of like a job interview because I think everyone can relate to this of like, you know, before you're waiting to go into the job interview and you've got two conversations going. And here's one example. One conversation is like, you are going to suck at this job interview. Like, why are you even here? You don't have the qualifications, like good luck answering all the questions, like as if you're going to get this job. And then there's another kind of conversation that could potentially be happening. Wow. You got this interview. That must mean that your, your portfolio was amazing. Just go in there, just do your best. You've got this. Come on. I know you can do this. And you can just feel the difference in that conversation. So just imagine the, uh, I guess, the way that you would walk into the room if you had one conversation as opposed to the other. With that second conversation, that confident uh, self-talk, that that self-accepting self-talk, that uh, cheerleading support, your shoulders would be back, your heart would be open, you'd walk in with a smile, you'd walk in with that knowing, you know what, I'm just going to do my best, let's see how this goes. Your actions, your answers to the questions would be completely different if you were to walk in with the with the first conversation that we had. And I think that is just like a great example that we can all kind of relate to. Absolutely. I want to ask you then, here is a here's a really good question for you too. <laughs> is there a part to play for the negative mindset, the negative self-talk? Mm. Do you believe like we all have it. I'm yet to meet anyone that doesn't have that questioning or comparisonitis or self-doubt or fear. So do you believe then that these emotions are pivotal and play a part in order to understand the other side? Or do you think that we should try and discount them altogether? 
No, definitely don't discount them because absolutely like that's this is what makes us human, right? Like we've got like it's you've got these two voices and this is the ego. So it's very, very normal for us to have this. And if we were to only have the other thoughts, I think we'd all just be lying to ourselves because it's simply not true because that self-doubting mindset, it can come back. And, you know, in a way, having that self-doubt and that other kind of negative self-talk, let's just label it that, teaches us how to be self-accepting and self-loving because then we know the difference. Then we can we can practice. And so it gives us an opportunity to actually practice self-acceptance and self-respect. And so when we hear the thoughts of I'm not good enough, then we use the awareness of like, hang on a minute, that's a thought that's not true. Well, what's a new thought then? Okay, well, I am good enough. I can step forward with this. And without the the uh, the negative self-talk, we wouldn't even be able to practice self-acceptance mm. really. Well, I think even the label of negative and positive, like I don't even know if this is correct because really what we should be aiming for perhaps is reality. So you know what, if I'm walking into a job interview and it's for a surgeon, I, I'm really, I'm doubting myself. I shouldn't, <laughs> I shouldn't be going like, I'm going to suck. I'm not going to do very well. Yeah, that mindset is right. I don't know anything about surgery. I should not be going for that job interview. So I think this is like the distinguishing thing where like, is it, self-doubt in something that you actually, you know, it's, it's reality. This could be you just stepping outside your comfort zone or is it you kind of being deluded? And I think this is a good thing to check in with because sometimes it's about being more honest with yourself. And sometimes those self-doubts could be there for a reason. Maybe they're there for a safety thing as well. Like it's not about just ignoring the thoughts because they're labeling good and bad. I've got little bunny ears here, good and bad, probably wrong labels, (laughs) but I think the awareness, Kim, like you brought that up before, awareness is everything. So check in, like, is this thought true? Maybe it is. Maybe I should take a step in another direction. Is this thought actually just my deep self-loathing that I developed from childhood? Hey, maybe I should do some work and move through this. Uh, It's not necessarily good or bad. It just is. What's the next step? Yeah, that's really powerful. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. I often wonder if negative self-talk is actually a negative in itself. As you say, Mm. there's so many beautiful ways that we can reframe that. You say the word practice, and I love that word because I think as humans, we're on the pathway to, I guess, enlightenment or I don't know if the word is perfection. I doubt that. But as far as being imperfectly perfect, I think we'll go Mm -hmm. with that. But ultimately, too, in the art of physical prowess and doing things like yoga and Pilates is a practice. Mm -hmm. So to practice being a good human, a person who loves and accepts who they are, could that be a similar thing to practicing yoga? And if so, could you give us the relativity between the ethos and the philosophies behind yoga and Pilates and how that ties into the way we think and feel? Yeah, and absolutely. I think we're always using this word practice and it is the most amazing word when you think about it because life itself is a big practice, isn't it? Like we don't really know what's coming our way and we're all just practicing day by day. Uh, And all of these mindset changes that you talk about on your podcast, Kim, they're all practices. Like I I always use the example of, you know, yoga. Like we don't do a week of yoga practice and then decide, gosh, I'm great at down dog. That's enough. 
<laughs> like it's that's not what we do. We keep doing the yoga because it makes us feel good. And this is the same with our self-acceptance, our self-love, whether it's our confidence or self-belief, whatever kind of mindsets which you're trying to welcome in. They're all, uh, it's all a big practice, like a gratitude practice. We don't just practice gratitude for a week and then be done with it and think, I'm just a grateful human now because that's not really how it works. It's in the practice. It's in the action where we actually feel and see uh, and experience the change. So yes, let's talk yoga philosophy because really uh, everything that we're speaking about when it comes to self-love, self-acceptance, even self-confidence, self-awareness, all of the words that we've been saying today are embedded in ancient yogic philosophy. Uh, The eight limbs of yoga, Patanjali is yoga sutras, the eight limbs. This is kind of, I guess, the, I guess this is where we would go back to with like our modern day yoga. Like it goes back more and more and more and more years, way more years. But let's talk about that for a moment because the two first limbs of Patanjali's limbs are yamas and niyamas. And this has nothing to do with the physical practice, nothing to do with pranayama, which is breath work, nothing to do with meditation. This is all to do with our external observations of life and our internal observations of life. And these are things like contentment, so acceptance of oneself, aparigraha, which is detachment, detachment of our goals, detachment to people, to places, Um Ahimsa, nonviolence, or some might call it loving kindness. So all of these uh, philosophic uh, actions and thoughts and feelings are the beginning of yoga. And as we uh, all kind of step onto our mats, we we can, uh, I guess, become aware and acknowledge that as we do our down dog, as we say our namaste, like we are tapping into that ancient philosophy that was practiced thousands and thousands of years ago. Like that is still there at the very essence of our practice. And so without even trying, like without even trying to bring it in onto your mat, just know that it's happening because it just, it is. (laughs) I just, I love it so much. (laughs) I do. I I can hear that and I love it as well. But then talk to me a little bit then about Pilates because Mm. that seems to be quite a modern phenomenon. And yet I find when I I had only just taken up Pilates a number of years ago, but there's just something quite, I don't know, you're there to do a job, but it's kind of you're part of something and you've got this Mm. machine to support you. Talk Mm. to us about the philosophies behind that and how that compares to yoga. Well, I mean, Pilates, the man himself, Joseph Pilates, he was inspired by these Eastern practices and yoga. Uh, and he was a gymnast as well. So you can kind of see just by those words, yoga and gymnast, like you can kind of see, all right, all right, this is kind of melding together. So, I mean, Pilates is an amazing practice because you are connecting with your breath, just like yoga. The moves are different. The moves are more repetitive. They're more stabilized. They're more core-centric. But the connection with the breath and the mind and the body Really, that's the thing that makes Pilates so amazing, similar to yoga. Uh, When you're using a reformer machine, I mean, you know what? Like reformer and mat-based Pilates, they're really just the same thing. You're getting the aid with the machine, which can make it harder and also easier, or you're just using your body. Both practices are mindful practices, and this is what compared to other exercise, say aerobics or on the treadmill, this is the core difference. You're being really present with yourself. You're practicing 
raising awareness of what's going on in your body. So often we're so disconnected, especially in this world with our smartphones and our, our watches that beep and tell us to do things. Everything's like boom, 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 like beeping at us. Whereas, you know, when you give yourself this time, whether it's half an hour, even just five minutes of this, you're giving yourself time to be with yourself and to acknowledge what is going on physically, emotionally, and soulfully. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we always call these practices presence practices. So when you're on your mat, whether you're doing yoga or Pilates or you're just sitting on your mat, they're all welcoming us into the present moment. And really uh, when we look at, you know, Buddhist teachings and yogic teachings and most philosophical, philosophical teachings, they all say that suffering lives in the past or lives in the future. In the present, of course, there is real life suffering, but if we are present and we are not tuning into the thoughts that are running around in our mind, then we decrease suffering. And this is what these practices can bring to our life as well. And when we say suffering, I know that word is, is quite loaded. It's more like the thoughts that are causing suffering, like the thoughts of I'm not good enough. I shouldn't have said that. Why did I eat that? Now I'm anxious about this. And then it can also relate to the physical body too. So, you know, when we look after our our physical bodies, the idea is to be able to, to live with more comfort and ease for longer years. And I mean, this is the big transition that we experience from introducing these practices as well as self-acceptance, as well as letting go of dieting and, and the obsession with the external body. This is where we kind of found uh, this grace and this ease with ourselves and also we were just able to look at our bodies as these things taking us on the journey of life. So you know what? When I look after my body, that means I'll have more comfort, especially as I get older. Uh, I'll have less injuries, uh, less prone to falls. It kind of shifts everything. And I think this is as well, these practices help you really understand that concept and let you let go of maybe, you know, the things you see when you, you're scrolling Instagram and you're like, oh, actually, no, I just need to do my workout, even if it is Pilates or yoga, just to look like this or just to be able to do that crazy pose. Uh, whereas, you, you know, yoga has nothing to do with that. You sit cross-legged, you're doing yoga. I want to ask you both then, many people somehow for some reason in this day and age, we have really lost touch with our physicality that, like you said before, our body, it's almost like a punishment to do a workout mm. or it's a hassle or it's a, I don't know, I call it the walk the dog attitude though. Whenever you turn around to a dog and say walkies, I don't know many dogs that don't go ballistic and can't wait for the little, <laughs> yeah. the court, the lead and everything to get out there. And I wish we could all embrace that walk the dog mm -hmm. attitude. It's a privilege to move our oh, body. Exactly. It's an honor to have a body that moves with grace and ease. And so what would your tips be around mm -hmm. someone who maybe has always thought yoga is only for the flexible or Pilates mm. is really expensive or, mm -hmm. you know, there's always these limiting thoughts that people have or these little, I guess, blocks that they may have. And then there's people who I've asked in workshops who, when I ask why they don't work out or move their body, they go, oh, I don't like sweating or mm. I don't want to, I don't feel good in clothes mm. that are exercise gear. Mm -hmm. So your tips around, you know, falling in love with movement, mm. it, I, and I'm just going to add this to it before you answer. 
I mean, I've been going to the gym and training and running and doing yoga and all sorts of things for many years. And yet I can still turn up to a session and tomorrow be sore. So, you know, when people say to me, it's because it hurts so much and I can't move and I don't want to feel like that. Ultimately, as you said, it's a practice and we're constantly pushing ourselves. Mm -hmm. So give us your tips as to those people that have all those negative associations as to why they don't move their body. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, we, we all have a long list, don't we, of uh, things that we tell ourselves and reasons why we don't do things. I think it's about shifting our reason why, like why are we moving? And, you know, we talk a lot about this with our members. We try and help them discover their why because so often our why is is just to lose weight or to fit this size. Like I want to be this size or I want a crazy before and after transformation photo so I can put it on my feet. I don't know. But it's very much external body focused. But exercise brings so much more than that. And I think it's uh, the knowledge of this can really shift our why. And like, let's talk about it for a moment. So what happens to our bodies when we exercise? Well, chemically speaking, we get a release of dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. These are chemicals that make us feel good. So that high that you have after your exercise, that good mood that you're in, it actually just happens because you moved your body. Like, well done, you, you went for a walk and now you feel those great um, hormones that are moving through your body. But, you know, oxytocin, that's one of my favorite ones. Like this happens on the yoga mat. This is uh, the love hormone. This makes us feel more compassion. This makes us more patient. So it's about tuning into how would those hormones like better your life? How would those feelings better your life? Would you go to work feeling more energized, more focused? Would you have better ideas? What about with your family? Would you be more patient? Would you actually be more, uh, I guess, have more focus on connecting with them instead of rushing through life? Would you actually make time for them? Yeah, and I think as well something we talk about often is maybe the exercise that these people have done and hated Maybe they should just find a new way to exercise. Maybe it's not running. Maybe it's nothing to do with the gym. Maybe it's not Pilates or yoga, or maybe it is. Uh, it's about stepping outside the box and finding something that suits you and knowing that you don't have to just follow the crowd. You can do dancing. You can go rock climbing. You can just walk. We always say this. If, the, if you're going to do anything, just walk. Walk, 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 go for nice walks. I mean, that's better than nothing, right? And it's actually a great way to stay healthy and fit. You don't have to do all these things that we're telling you to do or anyone else is telling you to do. You can do the thing that works for you. And this this is why joy is such a factor in our workouts and I guess the, the kind of mission behind all that we do. How can we bring more joy to life? How can we make the things that uh, allow us to feel joy to become a daily thing. Why are we putting off our joy? Why are we thinking that exercise isn't fun? We just haven't found the right method yet. Uh, and I think this, like, you know, when you have fun, like this is kind of an easy thing to bring into your life. If you enjoy something, it, it's not a struggle or not as much of a struggle. You'll be like the dogs. 
yay. Yeah, you'll be like, yeah, give me my lead. I want to go for that walk. So I think it's kind of like, again, it's all coming back. And we always do this whenever we have our podcast chats. It's it's all about awareness. We just come back to awareness all the time. It's about stopping and reflecting and being okay with yourself, being accepting of yourself if you hate the gym. You know, all your best friends might go to the gym. They might be absolute gym junkies. They love it. They're super fit. And you're like, God, I wish I could be like that. But I hate the gym. And you're in a bad mood. It's like stuff the gym. Don't go to the gym. Do something different. Play volleyball on the beach. That sounds like fun. <laughs> dance. Do something. Get yeah. yeah. Put some music on and dance yeah. around your Just living room. Just jump around like a crazy person to your favorite songs. Like you'll be sweating. And, I mean, the thing with sweat, I mean, that's true. Some people don't like to sweat. It, like I think sweating, I love I to love sweat. sweat. It makes me feel good, but you can do lower impact workouts. You also can turn on the air con in your house and still dance around like a crazy person. You won't get as sweaty. Mm. And then with like the workout outfits, like all of these things that we say to ourselves, there's always a way around it, right? Like if you don't like wearing the the tight gym clothes or the crop tops or whatever, like do what at home workout, do it in your pajamas, like do it, do naked. it naked. You can you can do whatever you like. Whatever you, yeah. <laughs> I've done a few naked workouts in my lounge and I'm just very grateful there's no one at home. <laughs> Everyone's probably like, can I join you? <laughs> it's not that Sometimes. kind of podcast, okay, guys? <laughs> but I think what, one of the points you made before, do something. It's better to do a little something than a whole lot of nothing. Yes. And that's where we can build our beauty and grace towards moving our bodies. One word that you, you haven't said but I'm picking up on, and that is discipline. So mm. one of the things that I've noticed for anyone around moving their bodies or cooking great meals or taking care of themselves, watching what they're thinking of, having awareness, none of that comes without the application of discipline. What are your thoughts, both of you, around that word? Mm. Oh, well, I love this word. And in yoga philosophy, we'd call this tapas. But I also like to translate this to devotion. So disciplined devotion and I think adding on that little word welcomes in again the I guess the sensation the feeling of love of kindness because you know when you hear the word devotion it's like that's that that's what you would normally feel toward your dog right (laughs) I'm kidding I was going to say your partner as well but also your dog you know you're devoted to this person or this external thing but you can also be devoted to yourself and this is discipline. If you are setting aside time to move your body, to eat nourishing, amazing foods, to cook amazing foods with your loved ones, to go out and have that coffee with your friends where you get to have that really uh, connected catch up. This is discipline to your own health, your own mental health and your own cup. You're filling your cup up. Uh, and I think just adding on that little bit of devotion, discipline, devotion makes you want to do it even more. Yeah. It makes the practice come easier. Well, I think discipline can have that connotation to being in trouble, mm. perhaps for some people, like, you know, when you're a kid, you got rigid. disciplined. Yeah, it's really rigid, no flexibility, but devotion feels loving and flexible. And yeah, of course you can be flexible with your health. Like as in, if you need a day off today, if you're tuning in and you need to rest, rest. Mm-hmm. I mean, that this we always say this, this is exactly what Mary Body is about. It's more about tuning in and being honest with yourself. What do you need? For me, 
I actually needed to step back from my, you know, high intense workout. I need to, I needed to work out less because I was going on that, you know, obsessive, I need to exercise every day, two hours a day. Like that's where we came from, our background with exercise. So we needed to go back. We needed to strip back our exercise. Whereas someone else might need to add more. Someone might need more meditation. So it is about the discipline, but devotion kind of brings this more nurturing. And really this is what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to nurture ourselves. We're trying to make ourselves healthy and happy. I and I think, it. yeah, it also works out on a, you know, a smaller scale as well. Like we can think of it like as our whole health regime, but then also, you know, when we're on the mat, like this is discipline, devotion to, you know, stay on the mat and stay in the pose sometimes. Mm. Sometimes we want to get out of the warrior. It's hurting. My legs are burning. Get me out of here. But you stay in it because you feel good. You're like, you're feeling your legs and they're on fire and you're building heat and you're building strength. So you're going to hold it for a couple more breaths. However, maybe you're in a down dog and actually you need to get out of there and you be honest with yourself. I need to take child's pose. Like that is courage. You take child's pose. So it really is. It's like, it's big picture and small picture where this discipline devotion comes in. I love it so much. You too. <laughs> Talk to me then about how all your recipes came about and for mm. our listener to go to your website and see all that deliciousness in there is just my favorite pastime. Mm. Um, but you also make them look so beautiful and inviting. <laughs> do you two test recipes together? How do you guys do all these beautiful yeah. things? I mean, you know, recipes were such a big part of when we started, we did far more recipes than we do now. We, we don't do that many recipes anymore. And to be honest, most of the new recipes are Italian because, <laughs> <laughs> and they're full, filled with gluten, in fact. Uh, so because I'm with an Italian, so, you know, your diet changes when you start living with an Italian, I must say. Uh, in all the best ways. In all the most amazing ways. And he has been such an amazing part of our self-loving, self-healing, quitting dieting, I guess, journey. Uh and it's been so beautiful and delicious. But, I mean, when we were doing a lot more recipes, yes, we would test them, but also we would kind of like make it up as we go and just see if it worked. And, yeah, when they did work, we were very excited. When they didn't work, it was a bit of a failure. But, you know, that's all part of the food blogger's job. Exactly. Uh, but, yeah, right now we're doing a lot more of the kind of recipes where It'll be like we're eating maybe all together, a group of us, and we just take photos. It's literally like we just do it as a part of our lives and then we think, hey, the lighting's really good. Let's take a photo and publish this thing. Uh, so it's kind of, it's really, we feel really, I guess, happy about this because to be honest, when we were doing a lot more recipes and it was a bigger part of our business and our jobs, it became a chore for us. And, you know, this can tend to happen when you, you know, you start something as a passion, it becomes your job, and then you begin to kind of resent it. And we did get to that point with our recipe making. And also we were doing these big shifts in our personal lives. And a part of the merrymakersisters.com is that it is very personal. So it's not like this website is here for these recipes. It was more like this uh, website is here for us to share what's going on with our lives and now we are changing we're not eating paleo anymore we're not eating so many of these healthy treats um we've changed how we we're living i guess 
So this is kind of transferred onto our website. Now, this is what's so beautiful about honoring the different phases and stages yeah. in our lives. And what I'm really loving in hearing this is that we don't have to stay rigid or in the same mm. frame of mind forever. In fact, evolving and heading into that path of imperfection and well, I say imperfection, imperfect perfection and perfect imperfection, but that beautiful pathway of, you know, the ebb and flow, the mm-hmm. stepping out of our comfort zone and then creating more comfort and then doing it again. And that's something that I've really enjoyed watching with you both. How old can I ask how you are now? I'm, oh, Carl, this is Carla, by the way. I'm 31 and I'm 34, 34. Yeah, 34. You you beautiful (laughs) souls. I would love you to talk then. Early 30s is a beautiful stage in our lives. You've come through the 20s of, you know, trying to be into everything, do everything, give everything. And then you start getting into your 30s where you start to really honor your womanhood, who you are as a woman, what you are Mm -hmm. about. Could you share with us then, if you could look back at your 15, 17, 20-year-old selves, what would you say? Mm-hmm. And here's an even bigger question. What would you say to your f- future 50-year-old self? Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, okay, so younger self, like remember younger us, like mm-hmm. we were, well, I mean, gee, I was so obsessed with dieting, the gym, obsessed about what other people thought of me so this is I think this is what I would say what people think of you doesn't matter and it's in fact none of your business and they're probably not even thinking about you anyway or saying anything bad about you so let go of that and start bringing yourself to the spotlight so instead of focusing on what other people are doing around you instead of like bringing your awareness there go inwards to discover where you want your life to go. Make yourself the star of your own life. I think Oprah Winfrey said that. Something about that. I love that. Your, ditto? Yeah, can I just say ditto? We always say that. <laughs> ditto, what she said. <laughs> I mean, that. I think that's that's why self-acceptance is so such a big part of our lives right now because, you know, back then we didn't accept ourselves. We would look in those magazines as young girls and just think we are not right. There's something wrong with us. We don't look like these people. We need a change. We never thought we were good enough ever. Mm-mm. And I don't know, I don't even know how we developed. And it wasn't like we were vocal about it. It was internalized. I don't think anyone else could tell you that we thought this. This is like upon like later discussions, talking. Obviously, like you go through this and then we're lucky because we've gone through it together you know, we've come out the other side and maybe I I remember Carla was like, how do you accept yourself? What do you mean? You're okay with yourself? You don't need to go on a diet anymore. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a funny thing that we've been able to do together, which I think that's the best part really. Yeah, able to learn and reflect and relearn and discover things yeah. that helped us on this journey together. But I think with my 50-year-old self, I have one as well. Oh. I want to tell her. So am I telling her something? Yeah, I would just, what would you, if you could take a beautiful lesson from where you're at right here, right now, into your 50s, 40s and 50s? I think it's about joy. It's don't stop living without joy. Like live with joy, more Mm. joy, joy, joy. I think sometimes. More fun. More fun. Like don't, I think, you know, as a kid, you always, I don't know why, like I remember I had great auntie Maidie. 
She was so funny, always laughing, so happy, so joyful, always playing tricks and jokes. And our grandma loved both of them, but grandma was not like that. But I just remember thinking, wow, Annie Mady is just like so cool, ah, like and so happy and joyful. And she acts like a kid. And I just really remember this. And it was so profound for me as a you know little girl. Like I think I would have been like six or seven thinking about this. And I just loved her so much. And I think that's what it is. Just keep putting joy at the top of the priority list. Keep taking action to make joy part of your life. Because the thing is, as you get older, you realize, oh, well, life can be pretty hard. So yeah, I, I get why as you get older, you can get angry and cranky. Like I get it as, as well. Like bad stuff just happens. Sad things happen. This is a fact of life. And I'm not saying, you know, you put your pretend joy in. No, it's about feeling the sadness, going through the motions, but then coming back to joy when, it, when you can. And when we do have it on our priority list, we'll make sure it happens. Maybe not today when we're going through this hardship, but maybe tomorrow or maybe in a little while longer. Uh, so I think that's my message for my 50-year-old self. And do I hear a ditto? No, ditto. ditto. Is there anything you would add? No, I wouldn't because my my one was going to be like more fun, more joy. Yeah. And I think it's just like, yeah, that constant reminder. It's a nice reminder yeah, to well, keep enjoying life and to yeah. keep, you know, to keep uh, trying new things and experiencing yeah, new things. And you're never too old to try something new. And I think that that's mm. like a beautiful thing to remember. Yeah. And I think I as well, like just that gratitude thing, I think that thing, that thing, that gratitude, <laughs> because I always, we reflect on this a lot, how we owe it to the people before us. Like, you know, look at us living these lives. We know we have a lot of privilege uh, to be where we are and women to, you know, be able to follow our passions so easily where we are right here in Australia. Uh, we owe it, you know, to the people who fought for us to be able to do this. Like I want to do this right because people, you know, they, they they went through hell to get this for us and I always reflect on that. And what helps you reflect is when you you read historical stuff or you watch historical shows and I think it's it's good to know history because then it allows you to, to live life with even more, I, I don't know what the word is, like oomph to be like, yes, this is my life. It's purposeful. And I'm grateful for everyone who's, you know, laid the pavers for me to step this path. Um, so I think it's also about staying gra- grateful for that. I remember hearing a gentleman speak here on the coast in the middle of COVID. And it was a, probably our first live event. Maybe it was even at the beginning of this year. And he said, you know, everyone's saying it's a bad time to have COVID. He had this American accent. <laughs> and he goes, but you know what? 2022 is a great year to have COVID. I mean, imagine having COVID back in the 70s. There was no Netflix or binge or anything like that. And I think you're absolutely right about the history side of things that we have to remember where we've come from. Mm. But what I want to ask you both is, you know, struggle is a part of life. And Mm. you've talked openly and shared about your challenges with weight and diets and programming and expectation. What perhaps is something that you've both been through that's been really challenging, maybe outside of even, you know, body and health. Is there anything that you've been through that you've really had to help mm. each other or push each other to come out the other side? Hmm. Carla's looked at me. It's like maybe all my breakups 
with my past boyfriends. I would say outside of body stuff, yeah. that would be it. <laughs> like it's so funny. <laughs> but, you know, at the time it was really awful. So, so awful. I mean, I feel like, okay, so I, I've had one, two, three. So three, like, other partners before the one I'm with now and, like, bad breakups like just like you know my life is over breakups and perhaps like I probably could have dealt with them better but Uh, actual traumatic like not like you know how some breakups are like quite uh amicable amicable and like you kind of go your separate ways and you have a an adult discussion about (laughs) how you've grown apart mine were all traumatic endings these are not like that these I always say like we could make a movie out of Emma's like I think one day I should write a book about them because like you know you reflect on these happenings and you're like wow past me like it's okay you made it through but I mean without Carla it would have been a whole lot harder and I mean gee I mean we had the business for two of them actually all of them I mean the first one I think was a breakup because he didn't uh really I didn't feel what's the word supported in my where I wanted to go with my life with the Merrymaker sisters he felt it felt like he was trying to pull me back uh so that was the the first breakup and then the next one again we were like right in the thick of our business and it was very this one I couldn't work I remember I just would stare at my computer and be like I can't do it so I think Carla ran the business for a month or two, definitely. Then the other one was also awful. Oh, my. Anyway, Carla was there for me. She helped me through it. And I think you learned a lot as well. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, I didn't go through the breakup, like, personally, obviously, but I saw it all and experienced it through Emma. And it was it was a amazing thing to be able to support her through that, but then also to learn about myself in like how to support somebody because sometimes I would make mistakes with like how I would go about it. Like I would pick the wrong kind of technique. Like maybe I would be like, you just got to get over it. Like this kind of thing. And you know, like that didn't work. Sometimes it didn't, sometimes it didn't. And so I think that also taught me a lot about myself and like how to be in situations like supportive for other people and also to learn through other people's experiences and mm. stories. Like that's an amazing thing. Like this is why we all love to read, right? And like to watch uh, to watch shows. Like we all learn through other people's stories. Uh, and I think that, yeah, that was those three breakups. Yeah, were they, were, they were probably like things that, you know, we together went through, <laughs> which is kind of weird but great. Uh, but, gee, I mean, now you can like laugh about them. But honestly, like I feel like if I went back to these memories and wrote them down, I'd be like, yeah, good reasons to be like quite upset yes. and traumatised by these people and like these experiences. <laughs> But definitely learned a lot. And look at me now. <laughs> well, yeah, let's talk about this. You know, let's talk about you angels and how one's engaged oh, and one's with the Italian stallion. So, <laughs> oh so, my. so life for you both, um, maybe mm. just before we get into your love lives, um, <laughs> also too, one of the things that Carla went through was a botched up oh, nose yes. job. Yes. So oh, let's just have so a little talk about this, oh. about how you traversed your ways through this. Gosh, yeah. How did we forget about this one? Because this was another little joint, and I wouldn't say a little, a joint uh, hardship. Yeah, so all my life, actually not all my life, when I was in grade seven, I was in the canteen line. I was with one of my good friends, Kate, and this boy was in front of us, and he turned around and he said, get your big nose out of here. 
And I was like, what? And I turned to my friend Kate and I was like, do I have a big nose? And she was like, yeah, well, kind of. And from that day, I was so, like, I was so, I guess, uh, traumatized and believed this fact about myself that my nose was big. And, you know, maybe it was bigger, but I also believed that it was wrong. Like there was something wrong with my nose, that it was ugly, that it was disgusting. So I would do things like in photos, I would always make sure I wasn't on my side profile. Even driving in my car, I would make sure if we stopped at traffic lights, I would turn my head to the side. So the person next to me couldn't be highly offended by my, my bigger nose, right? And so I had it in my mind that I was definitely getting a nose job. I, I wanted this like with all of my heart. Like if it was one thing I did, I'm definitely getting this. And the girl who worked at the gym I was going to got a nose job and I asked her where she got it. And she told me, and I was so excited. I booked in and I drove to Sydney with my mom. We went into the little session where they pretty much photoshopped me right in front of my eyes and shaved off my nose and told me how much it was going to cost. And here's the calendar of availability. And I booked in. I was so pumped. Anyway, I went through with the surgery and it was all fine. And it seemed like it went well. But then as my recovery went on, like my nose actually started to get wider, like really wide. And also it started to grow back like a growth on the end of it. So pretty much I had my old nose back, but it was wider. And we look back at photos now and, you know, we think, wow, it was actually really different like to what uh, it is now because I got a second nose job because had I to. had to pretty much because I couldn't breathe properly. And the first nose job actually made me more, uh, what is the word? More self-conscious, very uh, not confident. What's the other word? Unconfident, not confident. And pretty much, again, this traumatic experience of a terrible uh, plastic surgery where you just feel really sh- shame, like a lot of shame around it as well. Like, why did I do it in the first place? And you just felt really bad. And so I went through the second one and now it's, it looks great, but I reflect on, you know, past Carla and all of the thoughts that I had before the initial nose job of the not enoughness and the not good enough and the ugliness and that no one will ever love you if you have this nose, those kinds of feelings. And I feel sad about that. I feel sad that I believed that. I also feel sad, you know, that I don't have my mum's nose anymore. Like I guess it's a combination between mum and dad's, I would say. Um, But I don't, you know, I don't share that with them anymore. And I think this is a, a really important thing that we talk about because I really do feel like plastic surgery and cosmetic surgery and changes to our physical appearance are becoming more and more common and also more and more accessible. You know, I go to the shops and there's a big poster on every single toilet door telling me to go get my lips filled around the corner for $400. And this isn't about shaming anyone who does that, but it's about questioning it. Like why is this in front of us and why is it so accessible and why do we believe that we need to change the way that we look in order to feel accepted by ourselves and also society itself. Yeah. And I mean, it was, it was an ordeal and I feel like we both learned so much through that, that process. Uh, and you know, I can look back and be like, well, geez, like, why didn't I just tell her her nose was fine? Like, I didn't think her nose was a problem anyway. And you know, you feel as, as a big sister, a sense of responsibility there. And I know mom would as well, but the thing is this stuff, 
like mum thought her nose was too big. So these these beliefs come in like at every generation since wherever, I don't know when. So it's like mum had this belief about her nose. She had a big nose. If she had the opportunity, she probably would have got a nose job. She's a bit scared of like operations and stuff. Probably not actually. But anyway, that's not the point. So it's like, it's like we need to break these these patterns down. We need to stop them for the next generations because the truth is if your nose can breathe, if you can get oxygen in and out, boom, great nose. Your nose is perfect however it looks. And in fact, isn't it amazing now that we're actually celebrating even more on like mainstream media, in magazines, on Netflix, like, you know, more diverse bodies, more diverse people of of course more diverse races like this is so necessary for our children who are coming into this world who are now going to switch on tv and they're going to see the girl who's the star with the big nose instead we grew up who you know you had like a nina is it nina in my big fat greek wedding Mm -hmm. you know the big greek nose was like shamed i mean but this is this was our lives we were those girls You know, my nose wasn't as big as Carla's, but, you know, we had the faces that weren't the perfect button noses. So it was a big part of our lives. I mean, we don't want this for future generations. We don't need this. It doesn't bring any good to us. But it's really awesome to see, especially on Netflix, like who are all the stars of the shows now? Like they're not what we grew up with. Mm -hmm. Like it's all shifting, which is really cool to see. It's so important too. Mm. I remember a beautiful friend was a model back in New Zealand and she was on the big billboard on the Air New Zealand building as you crossed over the Harbour Bridge. And I remember looking at her going, it doesn't look like it. And she goes, Kim, they photoshopped my legs. They took the mole off my forehead. They took my freckles off. It's not me. And she goes, I didn't even think it was me. And I'm just thinking, here we are putting these images out there to to younger women looking at these images thinking that that's perfection mm. and yet it's not even it's not even real mm. so it's it's really important i'm so glad you're having the conversation because yeah i i feel incredibly saddened by the number of things that people choose to mm. do when they look so perfectly beautiful to me mm. um but yeah again without judgment i guess we all come to that place and that finding for ourselves, mm. which is the place of love and self-acceptance. And through your two journeys, you both sound incredibly happy now and in mm. love. And do you think part of that through your 20s and finding yourselves, finding what it means to accept and truly embrace who you are, has allowed these beautiful men to come into your lives? <laughs> oh, I'm... I'm yeah. I think we've had such different journeys with the the relationship and the men in our lives, haven't we? Like I'm trying to think. I when I met Damiano, there was like zero expectations on this. And I think that's what helped me find someone where I didn't have that list, you know? He's got this, he's got that. Da, 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 da. I only want someone like this. And even when you say you don't have a list, usually you still have a list. Uh I really scrapped it after these three breakups. I was like, stuff this. I'm just going to be okay with myself. I'm just going to make this all about me and I'm going to just have fun. And that's when he came into my life. And I I was literally like, this is going nowhere. Like, I'm just going to enjoy his company. It'll fizzle out. Like, definitely different life paths. And it just like grew 
slowly and I didn't have the expectations. And I think that's what led to me creating a really happy and healthy, healthy, underlying healthy relationship. Whereas in the past, I was never, it was never a healthy relationship because it didn't develop to that point where you can confidently feel yourself, feel like you can be yourself, say what you truly believe. Uh, I might've thought it back then, but you know, until you find it, that's when you realize, oh, like actually I can just show up exactly like I am, warts and all, (laughs) all the, all the mess, all the magic. And I feel okay about that. I think that's a really, for me, that's what's important. And to, to find someone where I feel comfortable and confident, that's an amazing thing. And to, find someone who is excited for me and what I want to do and I'm excited for what he wants to do, that's amazing. Uh, I mean, you know, I've never really been asked about my relationship, to be honest. I can't even remember the exact question, Kim. It was about do you think that learning to accept and love yourself were allowed dummy on it to come into your life? Well, I think, of course, because, uh, you know, when you accept yourself, you're more accepting of others, Mm. especially the ones you love, of course. I mean, when you love someone, it is about loving the good things and the bad things. I think that is what love is. You don't just love them for all the the things they tick, all the boxes they tick. It's like I still love him, even though da 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 da. I won't mention more than unconditional <laughs> love. Yeah, and I think with me and Joel, like we really started out as friends. Like I didn't really think that we would end up together. To be honest, I, like it wasn't love at first sight. It wasn't like oh my gosh, like we're going to be together forever. Um, which I think was also a really nice thing. So we had a friendship to begin with, and then it kind of evolved from there. But. One of the the most, I guess, the biggest things that was is important and was important to me was like, yeah, this supportiveness because in past relationships for me, like I always felt like the business wasn't celebrated or supported. Like I can think of like my past two boyfriends, like the, the first boyfriend that I broke up with, uh, he wasn't supportive of what we did. And then when I met my second one, he was, again, not supportive and kind of wanted to whisk me away and make me a wife and have babies. And I was like, this just isn't what I want. And it was like, you know, this life that I didn't see for myself at that stage. And so then when me and Joel got together, it was just like he was so supportive of what I was creating, what we were creating, and uh, just a beautiful friendship that developed into a beautiful love that we just get to have fun together when we're together and, you know, actually be honest and open, which I think is the most important thing in a relationship is to say what you think and how you feel and to not feel like you're going to be shamed for that or uh, what is the other word? Not sure. I can't remember what I was going to say, but <laughs> you accepted. feel, yeah, not accepted. So you don't feel like they're going to judge you for what you say or what you do. Yeah. I think it's such a, like when you really think about this relationship, you know, this intimate relationship, like a, a big part of it, I think, is that companionship is having someone there because, you know, if you're by yourself, it can get really lonely. I've spent a lot of time by myself though. And I think that's really important too. Like I've been single even like a lot in my late, later years. And I'm actually very grateful for it because these times give you a chance to really connect with yourself. And I actually think, you know, now three years into this relationship, it's like, I need to make sure I schedule that time because that time is so important. And I, I think it's important for all of us to do that, to have alone time, actual alone time, not pretend alone time. Uh, 
but I think, you know, you, you imagine life, especially through this COVID thing, you realize the importance of companionship, I think. And I like, it's just so nice to find someone where you just get along so well with, and it's not like, I don't have to dress up. I don't have Mm. to be, I don't have to put anything on a mask on. It's just nice to be myself, my absolute self. And I think that's, that's, amazing really and it's you know it's not like you know these people online they put out these like perfect relationships and they paint it like this and you know maybe they're even selling relationship courses or whatnot I don't know I just love the strip backness of you know this this relationship like I don't need all the bells and whistles I don't need all that I just need to feel like I am me exactly as I am and accepted and loved like that's a beautiful feeling and I'm very grateful for it uh but I think it all came from that that getting through all this that mess letting go of expectations and celebrating who I am just as I am and then finding someone who you know they feel they agree that's pretty nice (laughs) (laughs) what can I say as a as a mama of of young beautiful adults I can honestly say in my mid-50s talking to you two girls, I can promise you it is the pathways and the work that you've done on yourselves, the the real getting to the bottom of the bottom and then crawling your ways back up Mm. through whether it is a disease or whether it's body image or whether it's bulimia or whether it's uh, fear, whatever that those tools or opportunities for learning and growth come from. I think what I'd love to say to you as a mama beer is that you two have really worked through the highs and the lows of what you've actually attracted in the past because who you attracted in the past when you said they weren't supportive, if I can be bold enough to say you weren't supporting yourselves either. So sometimes we attract and we bring into our life the exact thing or things that we're thinking and feeling about ourselves. Mm. So it's no surprise to me that you've come out this beautiful journey of self-discovery and self-acceptance and really come into a place of self-love. And through that, you've attracted someone someone each of you to give you that love <laughs> gotta be and careful <laughs> yeah we don't share that <laughs> that would be not that look no judgment but not for us yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i get to quickly add that <laughs> so funny. what is both of your definitions of self-love now Oh, in fact, we actually spoke about this before because we were like, we'll be prepared for this. Mm. Uh, and I mean, I feel like our definition wasn't a simple sentence. It was lots of words after, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, we were just kind of like rattling off things like what self-love feels to us. And it definitely is the practice of self-acceptance. It's also self-respect and it's kindness to yourself. It's self-compassion. It's patience. It's honouring yourself. It's giving yourself time to just be it's all of this and it's all so much more as well. And I think it's also tuning in mm-hmm. and and speaking your truth, living your truth, feeling like you can, you know, what what is inside feeling like you can express it. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's funny. It's not really descriptions. It's more like feelings, isn't it? Yeah. And I think a big one is uh, giving yourself time to do the things you love as well. Like, you know, the actions, like this is a form of self-love and it, it, it is self-love. I, I think self-love is living how you want to live. Maybe that's what it is. Mm. I love it. 
And you know what? Everything you've said today is all an act and a part of self-love, in my humble opinion. And that's why I'm always fascinated as to what people think. But most of the time, over the 200-plus podcasts specifically on this subject, it comes back to self-acceptance and Mm self-respect. And I think that's a journey. And it's also embodying what it means to love another, which truly is oneself. And I think in order to love someone else, we really, and it, it's its so crazy, it's always said, but unless we truly love and accept who we are, then how the hell do we accept, expect someone else to do the same thing? So just both of you, huge congratulations. I am a marriage celebrant. I just thought I'd add that one. Um, <laughs> I, I love love. And I just think through all of life's adversities and all of our troubles and challenges and all the opportunities for growth and learning that come our way, if we can hold one thing that you've said today, both of you, joy, and I'll add to that humor, because if we can have a sense of humor, Mm. and we may not have it when they're in the throes of a challenge, it might not Mm. be the time to have a joke when someone's lying on their bathroom floor. But in all honesty, humor can break state and change our neurological patterning to at least get up and breathe another moment, drink another moment and be present with another moment. And through the practices of what you girls both offer, I love the fact that it started with food for you and then has become more about the body and embodying what it means to move and breathe and live with a healthy body. And I think it doesn't matter which angle or which place we come in from, because I've also interviewed people who have done the body thing and then have got to, I guess it's called orthorexia nervosa, where they get an mm-hmm. unhealthy obsession with looking yes. healthy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we all know that it's really finding your sweet spot, that that beautiful part that you were talking about, Joseph Campbell, being mm-hmm. in that beautiful state of bliss. And that changes, right? It can be mm-hmm. different for all of us on different days. But can I just publicly acknowledge you both for all the work that you do and for being so beautifully open in the way that you share these moments? I think it's really helpful and such a beautiful way for us all to model the, the place of excellence is to follow women like yourselves. And one thing that I spoke about before we came on air is that, you know, a lot of us older women, and now when I say older with love and reverence, but as we move into our 50s and into this stage of our lives and beyond, I look to women older than me who have paved the pathway and who I love and admire. But I have to say at this stage in my life, I'm also learning just as much by looking back, learning from my children, learning from women like you, learning from other beautiful souls that are doing it differently or at least doing it in their way, which allows us to have that grace and acceptance of self. So I just think we all have a part to play. All ages, all phases have wisdom and beauty and grace in all the different ways. And I just want to say thank you both for for being trailblazers in this realm. Oh, thank thank you you so much, Kim. Such beautiful words. Oh, you're just beauties, the pair of you. I just, I want to adopt you both. So, (laughs) (laughs) So in closing, I know we could keep talking for ages, but, you know, there's many people out there that'll be listening to this going, you know what? I am in my 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. I'm in my 20s. I'm a teenager. I want to listen. I want to be part of this. I want what they've got. (laughs) How can we learn more about you girls? And how can we follow you with your beautiful new programs that you're offering now that are thankfully back live? 
<laughs> Yay. Well, thank you so much for having us on your amazing show, Kim, and for this opportunity to share. Uh, everything you can find over at themerrymakersisters.com, I think the best place to begin would be with some movement classes that you can do at home, wherever you are, whenever you want. So there's some free ones available there, but themerrymakersisters.com forward slash five days, the number five followed by days. And it just gives you daily classes for five days. They're 10 minutes long. So they're really easy to fit into your life to just experience a little bit of merry body magic and see if it's your vibe. <laughs> I want to know too then because you've got lots of freebies on your website and I just think it's amazing. Again, uh, what I love about you both is whilst you have a business, you're also about sharing the love. And so I would love for you, I want you to really now promote the Merry Body Live. I'd really love to hear more about that and tell us where we can get tickets. Yeah, well, I mean, we were planning live events, I think. When did COVID happen again? 2020. 2020. So we literally had our live events planned for the beginning of March, I think. We were planning them and then boom, it's like shut down, the first shutdown, lockdown. So we put them off. We put them off for so long and finally we're launching them. And, uh, you know, these ones are just small events. It's like two hours of yoga, Pilates, meditation. We're starting in Brisbane. We're starting in Canberra. And then we're going to continue on to, I guess, wherever our members want us to go, which is kind of fun. We're going to go on some fun adventures, coming, going to maybe some smaller towns as well. Uh, but our first ones are, when is our first one? The 16th of <laughs> October, 2022, uh, which is Canberra. And then in Brisbane, it will be the 20th of November, 2022. And it really is just going to be an afternoon to just celebrate our bodies and to move together and to connect together as well. Um, you know, there's so much magic that can be found online, but then in real life is also an extra sense of magic. So we're really excited about that. Uh, but there's heaps of information on our website about it with the direct link to the tickets. So you can find out information there. Yeah, angels. I love it so much. Is there a final message for the self-love podcast listener? And as you give us that final message, perhaps you could share with us both your favorite quotes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, final message is our mantra. You say that. We say this at the end of every single class that we have ever created. And we say this, always remember you are amazing just as you are right here and right now. And I just think it is this daily reminder or more than daily constant reminder of our enoughness that actually we're amazing just as we are. And this really is the mantra of self-acceptance. It's of self-love, of self-kindness. And it's an easy one to remember when we have those moments of self-doubt. Mm. And then we thought we would select a quote from Joseph Campbell, our all-time favourite philosopher, who really did change the trajectory of our lives when we heard this because it was just a big aha moment. It's This is the quote. Follow your bliss and doors will open where there were only once walls. And... It just is a, a reminder, it's a lesson that, you know, when we do the things that light us up, when we allow time for our passions, for our purpose, which is actually an act of self-love, allowing time for that, that the opportunities will come and they're opportunities that wouldn't have come if you hadn't 
of followed your bliss. So follow those feelings, those, you know, excited, tingly feelings when you do something or when you see something or when you have an idea, because it's not, it's not just nothing. It's real. And it's telling you something. It's telling you to go toward it. And you should, because you only have this one life and we better, we better make it fun and filled with stuff we love. Right. (laughs) Well, I think, you know, we always talk about that. We put stuff off, right? I think because we, we feel, we forget that life is not infinite. It's not forever. Uh, so always acknowledging this, I think is important. And this is a yo- yoga helped us with this. I think sometimes we put this thought, you know, we hide it from ourselves because it's scary. It's the unknown. It's also heartbreaking and sad, but life is not forever for us and for the people we love. So, you know, with that, that knowing and that reality, perhaps you'll step forward with a different perspective. And maybe it'll help you step forward to the direction towards the, the places you actually truthfully deep down in your heart want to go towards. Oh, so, so beautiful. I absolutely adore Joseph Campbell. Mm-hmm. I actually did a podcast, I think it's show 74 for the listener, mm-hmm. which was all about, it was a quickie on the hero's journey, which yes. has been a very big part of my life and understanding that we all go through highs and lows and there's yeah. many opportunities and teachers and wisdom and beautiful nuggets that we can then take as treasures forward into the next journey. And I just think it's worthwhile going back and having a listen if if you're interested, beautiful listener, because I can tell you this, he was also a very big part of my life and understanding Mm. the highs and lows. So thank you so much for sharing him. I love your quote, love everything about you two angels. It is a delight to know you and to share you here on the self-love podcast. I just want to say from my heart to yours, thank you. Mm. Thank Thank you you so so much much for having us, Kim. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family and head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.